I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, Rush Nation, and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. I am your host, uh, Liam, or at the FSA Tweets on Twitter. And as usual, I am joined by my lovely co-host, Rich at Dynasty Island. Rich, how was your week, your weekend? I bet you're flying high after the Jets win against the uh, against the monstrous, nearly unstoppable force bills. Was that was that a pun flying high in Jets? Uh, I quite liked it, but yeah, no, very, bit, yeah. very good. Anytime the Jets win is uh, is a good win. I've I've had enough. Uh, dire days as a Jets fan. I'm very much enjoying um, all the good days, should we say? Um, so yeah, very good. Thank you. How was yours? Um, as you can probably imagine, not as good as yours, but um, it is what it is. The Packers can't seem to put up points at the moment, even against the worst defense imaginable. So it is what it is, but. Um, we're not here to talk about real NFL world. We're here to talk about fancy football, Rich. So um, let's just dive right into the highest scorers. So for those of you that are new, we do the highest scorers of the week and we'll talk through those, give a bit of a dynasty take on them. Um, so the scoring format that we use is four-point touchdowns for quarterbacks and PPR for every other position and not tight end premium because I don't like it. Um, so it's the quarterback position, Rich. We've got Justin Fields, a guy that we've spoken about um, over the past few weeks, coming up as QB1 with 42.7 points. Um, Patrick Mahomes with 35 as QB2, and then Josh Allen at QB3 with just under 27 points. The bottom two names, the, the last two names, weren't uh, massive surprises. We kind of expect those to be sniffing around the top five, the top three every week. But Justin Fields um, as QB1 with nearly 43 points is incredible. Um, a lot of that did come on a 60-yard scramble uh, for a touchdown. But, Rich, what, well, what are you doing with Fields now? Because he's still only thrown 
for 200 yards just once and that wasn't this week that was in week four or five i think it was so what are you doing with fields right now i'm buying i'm all in i'm all in um i think the the tables have turned well i I, i'd like to put out i've 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 enjoyed hyping up the past few weeks and i certainly bought a couple of shares last week um yeah, I, I I was out on him after week one and week two and week three. Um, but since week four, Liam, here's a question for you. You know, I love quiz question for you. How many players have scored more fantasy points, total fantasy points than Justin Fields? So week five, six, seven, eight, nine. So those five weeks. Um, so I'm going to say Josh Allen... I want to say Patrick Mahomes, but he had a bye during that time, so that's a difficult one. I'm going to say four, just as a just to give myself a bit of a buffer. But I have a feeling it's less than that. Zero. Oh, wow. nobody has scored more fancy points than Justin Fields since the end of week four. He's he's that's producing. Then they, you know, we talked a couple of times about the. They, you know, they're, they're willing to let him run. His decision making has speed, sped up immeasurably. They've gone out and they've acquired another receiver to hopefully build around him a little bit. That's been the issue: is that in the off season they weren't willing to put any assets into his development. They're now convinced that he's the answer. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all in. I think for me, yes, the passing production isn't there but the passing talent is still there. He's still being efficient. He's still being effective passing the ball. He had positive EPA on Sunday on over 75% of his passes. Only one of two passes to do that on Sunday. I think you talked about that 60-yard rush. And honestly, once he he got going, it was incredible. But his ability to... Essentially, it was almost like a pump, twist, jump, land, and get up to full speed within the blink of an eye... To me, it was almost more impressive than the 60-yard run. Like, that little bit of movement in the pocket was incredible. It was. I don't know whether you saw the play, but I went back and rewatched it, and it's a mesh play where the um, receiver that is in a, in somewhat of a curl route in the middle, it's, uh, I think it was Darnell Mooney. Um, as soon as Field stepped up, he started to run like and go deep because he thought that Fields was going to scramble and throw him open. And that's why he had to pull the ball back. But I agree, that was an incredible play. And I don't think many quarterbacks in this league will be able to to do that sort of thing, let alone then run 60 yards for a touchdown. Yeah, and that, and that's that's what's impressive is that, yes, you know, if you're, if you're just going to sit and look at the box score, you're going to go, he's doing it off rushing production. He's, he's still not a good passer, blah, blah, blah. But I think he is still a good passer. I think the problem is, is that he doesn't have the weapons I, I think that, you know, people are willing to and wanting to hype up Donald Mooney, but Donald Mooney is at best an average number two receiver, let's be honest. I think if they can add another receiving weapon to this offence, if they can continue to improve that offensive line, you know, that they've, they've got that fifth round rookie whose name completely escapes me, who, I want to say Jones, who's doing really well at left tackle. Feelers, Feelers Jones. No, 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 not the not the receiver, oh. the the left tackle. I, th- I want to say Jones. No, pass. I may be completely wrong. They got. I'm sure they got him in the fifth round. He's playing really good football, but the, the interior of the offensive line is still a mess. They've still got two or three holes in that offensive line. They need to reinvest in that this offseason. I think they're going to, and I think that this regime has basically torn it down and said, you know, we talked about it. I feel like I repeat myself every week, but is Justin Fields going to be the answer? He's going to have to prove that he's better than the situation around him. And through nine weeks, well, certainly the past five, he's doing it. So I think that they're committed to him long-term. And to me, that says he's a top 10 dynasty quarterback. He, I'm, I'm, you know, it sounds like hyperbole, but I'm willing to throw him in the same tier as Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert. Like he is very much in that third tier of elite quarterback for me. Um, I'm, you know, I'm I, completely I, with you. I saw a trade today that went down in one of my leagues. It was um, Dak Prescott and a second rounder for Justin Fields, and I didn't balk at it. There was some question marks raised in the league, and I was like, "No, I'm. Oh, I, yeah, I wouldn't that, do it personally. I, I think I'd that. still have, I still have Dak over Justin Fields." 
but it it's it's a conversation now and i think that you know yeah i i, I loved him last year and i i quite quickly stepped off it when it was obvious that the 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 bears weren't willing to build around him and i was like i don't know if he's going to be starting quarterback in the year but i'm fully back in now and i'm i'm regretting the fact that i didn't buy more in that week 1 2 3 dip because i think he's he's going to be a you know top 12 quarterback for the next four or five years i i feel that strongly about him yeah, I mean, even even if you take away that sixty odd yard touchdown run, he still have fourteen attempts for over a hundred yards on the ground. Most, that, most rushing, that, most rushing yards by a quarterback ever. It, it's just it's insane that he's still being able to put up this production. And yes, his passing game has some sort of or some improvements to come, but I think that comes with the weapons, as you said. He's not thrown more than seventeen completions so far in a game this season which was last week and the week, or as in week nine and week eight, so the past two weeks. But, but that is going to come, I, I yeah. fully believe that. The efficiency is there. He's third in the league in first downs per pass attempt. Do you know the only two quarterbacks ahead of him? Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. Enough said. Like I appreciate that's one stat and one stat isn't everything, but if you're looking for efficiency, it's there. He just needs... Definitely the trust of the offense and the weapons. And to me, his decision-making is so impressive. I know he can make all the throws. He's got the talent, but the fact that he's not sitting in the pocket trying to get to his third or fourth read, he's going one to two, I'm scrambling, which is what you want. Like, I don't want him sitting in the pocket trying to progress through four or five reads. If, if you think about how this offense is being run, it's a run first offense because they know that they don't have the receiving weapons there. So they're using David Montgomery. They're using Khalil Herbert constantly. I mean, they combined for 21 rushing attempts this week. But then when you combine that with Fields' rushing attempts, that's nearly 30, or that's over 30 rushing attempts in one game. And that's what they're consistently doing every single week. They're running the ball before they pass it. And that's why um, Fields doesn't have that production because he doesn't have the volume. I, as I said before, I truly think that when David Montgomery goes and then they get a new wide receiver or two in, and now 100% going to allow Fields to throw the ball a lot more. Um, moving over to the running backs, Rich, we had another incredible fantasy production. Sorry to interrupt. Before you quickly dive on, we've just had a question in from Pitsy. He says, I bought Fields for the 110 in the offseason. What is, is he worth? What is he worth now? Well, this is one quarterback. What is he worth now in a 1QB league? Um. I mean, I've really struggled. I'll be honest, I've really struggled valuing um, quarterbacks in one QB leagues because I don't play in them. Um, I'd say probably a, a late first. I don't like spending high to mid first round picks on anyone not named Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably say a, a mid to late first. So probably not not that different to what you paid in the offseason. So, sorry, Pitsy. See, I... Personally, go for maybe a mid first. I think I didn't pick up that you said one QB in that. That's why I said it was insane. Oh, that's the same value for two flex. Yeah, but with it being one QB, I think I'd still go for a mid first if you can get a different changing QB in one quarterback. Then it doesn't matter what your opponent has. You're always going to have that positional advantage. If you think about how we talk about tight ends in one QB, you kind of have that same thing with um with quarterbacks the only difference is once you drop off from the top elite quarterbacks that are game changing everyone else is much of a muchness and there's a lot more of a consistent approach at quarterback rather than a tight end where it's a lot more tight uh, touchdown dependent so personally i'd go mid first but yeah I, I i can see why you wouldn't want to pay more than that in a one qb league rich um, but this time I'm going to move over unless you've got any other <laughs> no, um, sorry to interrupt. news. Um, so running backs, we had um, another fantasy breaking game by a player. So that was Joe Mixon with 55 points. He scored five touchdowns, Rich, four, receiving, uh, four rushing, one receiving touchdown. 
um, and that nearly doubled the amount of points of the running back two on the week, which was Kenneth Walker, uh, 27.9 points, and then Travis Etienne at RB3 with just under 27 points himself. So, Rich, we're seeing two younger running backs in the top three this week, as well as Joe Mixon. Just he, he was a little bit of a disappointment compared to where his ADP was at the start of the year. But I think this is giving uh, owners a bit more hope of Joe Mixon going forward, don't you think? Yeah, I think it's... Again, I've, I feel like we have like three talking points that we talk about every single week, Liam. So I apologise for listeners to bring it up again. But we've talked a couple of times about this shift in offensive scheme with the Bengals and how after week four they went from being obvious running in under-centre situations and obvious passing in shotgun. And they're basically now a, an almost exclusive um, shotgun offence. Now, I've not seen... I'll, I'll hold my hands up. I've not seen the, the Bengals... Um, game from uh, the weekend yet. Yeah, that's that's quite low down my list. I'll be honest; it's not something that I'm super excited to go watch. But I'd be very intrigued to see if if this trend continues because I think if you look at his stats, whether it be efficiency stats, whether it be yards per carry, yards after contact, whatever, before the kind of week one to four, they're horrific. If you looked week five to eight, they were quite promising. And then obviously he's had this massive breakout week in week nine. So I'm intrigued to see if this is just more of the same. And and hopefully, you know, he's not going to score 50 points every week, but hopefully Joe Mixon is going to be a top six running back that you probably draft him to be. And, you know, can hopefully be an elite RB2 for those dynasty rosters. But yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> who, who can expect 50 points week in, week out? But it was good to see because... You know, as you said, he had been, from a, a raw standpoint, point standpoint, he had been slightly disappointing. So moving over to the wide receivers, Rich, we've got Devonta Adams as wide receiver one. The um, the Raiders needed a awful week for him in the previous week, week eight, um, to finally force feed him the ball again. I remember this happening at the start of the season where he had an awful week and then the week after they decided to force feed him um, yet again. So he had 37 points nearly. Tyreek Hill continuing his campaign of um, insanity, I suppose, so far this season. He's got over a 1,000 yards and we're nine weeks into the into the year. It's incredible, the, the run that he's on. Uh, so he had 20, just over 27 points and then just under 27 points was Cooper Cup. Um, Rich, is there anything you wanted to discuss on Cooper Cup? Because that offense, apart from him, no one wants anything to do with it, fancy relevancy-wise. Even Tyler Higby has dropped off. So yeah, so it seems to be him right now. So I appreciate I'm the guy that always says to sell players at big value. So excuse this, but... Is now your last opportunity to sell Cooper Cup at peak value? <laughs> the reason I say it, okay. So I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast, which in terms of football content isn't the best, but I really enjoy Bill Simmons. So Bill Simmons was basically saying, Would you be shocked if Sean McVay retires at the end of the year? They're, they've got no first round pick. They've got no first round pick at the end of the year. Their cap situation is absolutely horrific. Then they've got no way of improving the offensive line. They've got no way of improving their receiver room. Matt Stafford's on a, a throwing program and is, you know, appears to be falling apart quite quickly. Would you be shocked if what we're seeing this year with the Rams is now the new future and, and the Rams just kind of implode over the next two years? If that's the case, could we see Cooper Cup's value start to head south? I think, for one, suggesting that a 36-year-old Sean McVeigh that has spent 15 years in the NFL or in coaching in general, uh, he started in Tampa Bay and then moved into college football and then back to the NFL, but 
I think suggesting that a guy that has spent 15 years of his life or 10 years of his life trying to get into the NFL as a head coach and he's only 36 is going to retire at the end of the season is ludicrous. But I'm not saying... But I understand I'm, I'm... your point. I, I get the rest of it, but I think that is that is ludicrous, Rich. Well, I'm not saying that he's going to retire forever. All I'm saying is, is that he's, he's won a Super Bowl, okay? The Rams are... I don't think going to be a contender next year. They've got no obvious ways to create cap space. They've got no obvious ways to kind of manufacture an improvement in the team. Why wouldn't Sean McVay go and be a TV analyst for Fox and get 20 million a year for the next three, four years? And think, think of John Gruden, right, Liam? John Gruden won one Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. He then, the roster petered out. He kind of, it, it fell apart a little bit. He then went off to be a TV analyst, I want to say for ESPN. I think he was there for 10 years. And basically every single year, the contracts got bigger and bigger and teams got more and more desperate. And then he signed a 10-year, $100 million contract, having not coached for 10 years. If you're Sean McVay, you can leave what is, I'm I'm sorry, Rams fans, but a situation that is heading south fast with no way of turning it around. You can go and be a TV analyst for two, three years, and it's only going to improve his reputation. Are you telling me that there's not an owner that's going to go, hang on, we've got this young guy. He's only going to be 40 years old. He's won a Super Bowl. He's an offensive genius. We can get him come in, and he's going to re, re, reignite our entire franchise. I really think that it is within the range of outcomes that the Rams are going to absolutely implode at the end of this year. And if that happens, Cooper Cup's value is not going up. He is he is he, you know this is a guy that is a top five dynasty wide receiver. He is not young. He has you know, not got this incredible history of production in his early age production years. I know he had a top four or five year, three years ago, and he was obviously incredible last year and he's doing incredible now. But I just think that Cooper Cup's value and Cooper Cup's production is a lot more tentative than most people are willing to admit. And now I'm not sitting here saying... If you're a contender, you've got to go and sell and do whatever you can, you know, give give them away for a first. I'm not saying that. If you're a contender and you can win a title this year, obviously you've got to keep him. But if you're not a contender, if you're a fringe playoff team, I think you've, you, you're doing yourself a disservice by not selling because I honestly think there is a chance that his value could plummet and he's outside the top 24 wide receivers next season. I agree with Cooper Cup. I'm just going to put that out there. I completely agree with everything you've just said, apart from Sean McVay retiring at 36 years old. Okay. Well, there was talk of him retiring in the offseason, so it's not you, like it's never happened. To, you refer to John Gruden. John Gruden was 45. So yeah. that's a 10-year disparity between the two. I don't think that a guy that has only coached as a head coach for... What, five years, I think it was 2017 when he took over, is going to then retire in, just because the team's in, in crap. I, I don't see it personally, but Rich, we need to move on because we're just going to sit here and argue about I am, if retiring McVay, rather than If Sean McVay walks away from the Rams in the off-season, I'm going to take the victory lap of all victory laps, Liam. You're never going to hear the end of it. I am, because I'll just mute you. <laughs> I, won't, I won't respond to anything. Um, so moving over to the tight ends, as I said, no tight end premium. Um, we've got Dallas Goddard on Thursday night football, had a 24-point game. So tight end one, tight end two is Cole Komet actually doing something this season. Um, over the past two weeks, he has been um, he, not just a usable tight end, but one of the top tight ends in the league. Um, for fantasy purposes and then tight end three we've got Travis Kelsey Rich moving back to Cole Komet as I said the past two weeks he's been 
more than fantasy relevant. He's actually been a starter. Um, is this what we're going to see out of him for the next few weeks or for the rest of the season? Or do you think that it's just a flash in the pan with how the um, the Bears' offense is running at the moment, quite literally running? <laughs> I think it depends what your expectations are. I think if you're viewing Cole Komet as a, you know, 10 to 20 tight, ranks tight end that's going to do this one week and then be terrible for the next two weeks, then yes, this this is the new Cole Komet and that's what you can get used to. If you're expecting Cole Komet to be a plug-and-play, reliable starter that you can bank on, seven to eight fantasy points with a, you know, catch a touchdown, he gets you full team kind of thing. Then I think you're going to be disappointed. I really like Cole Komet, the player. I've just, you've already heard how much I like Justin Fields. I just don't know if the volume is ever going to be there this year for him to be that reliable go-to tight end. I think this offense needs to take a whole step forward. I think at the moment, you know, he's he's not commanding the ball at a rate that I'd need to see to get all on board. You know, we're, we're less than a 20% targets per route run. His right, route participation is around the 80% mark. Like, it's, it's not screaming top five tight end. And I think that you're always just going to be disappointed if you're trying to buy in on Cole Komet now. I think that for me, he's still in that 12 to 15 range. Um, absolutely got the potential, you know, to take the next step and be that reliable week-to-week starter, but I don't see it happening this year. So, Rich, as you said, we do like a l- little bit of a quiz question here. So, Colcomet tight end two over the past two weeks, if you combine them together. That is obviously without Mark Andrews for the week just gone and Kelsey for the week before because Kelsey was on the bye. But this week he scored 22 points, as we just said. Can you guess what his stat line was in week eight? <laughs> no. Um, weeks? I'll give you a clue. It's I under 10. Guess. Yeah, I was going to say eight was my guess, but... So it's so a nine in, in PPR. You weren't too far off. But his stat line was two receptions on two targets for 11 yards and a single touchdown. Yeah, I think that says everything you need to know about Cole Komet's game at the moment. He did have um, five tar- uh, five receptions on six targets this week and a touchdown or two touchdowns. And that's the but... first time he's seen more than four targets in a game this year. Yeah. Like, I, I just think don't that's think everything reliable. I think that's everything you need to know about him at the moment. I don't think that it's going to be um, anything to really take note of. But, Rich, if you could sell right now, what would you be selling for? A second? In a non-tight end premium, I'd take a mid-second for him. Would I take a late second? I think... think I'd need to think about a late second, but I'd certainly take a mid or an early second for him. So, Rich, let's move on to significant news. Um, So, not a huge amount of news this week. Um, No massive injuries. I mean, we were close to having a few, so Josh Allen will start there. Um, He is potentially out for a few weeks, but he has missed that season-ending or dodged that season-ending injury that um, a lot of people thought he might have had. It was an elbow injury. Um, So, that's he, he could even potentially play this week, but it's something to monitor, especially as it's not um, season end, ending at this point. Mark Andrews was declared out on Sunday Night Football um, with an AC joint injury, so he is probably going to be back after this bye week, and they probably did it just to give him a bit more of a rest um, going into this bye week. Zeke, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, has a knee injury. Uh, he had it just before the uh, bye week. Again, he was declared out just before his bye week, which was last week. Um, and for, for the same injury, Tony Pollard then went off and had a great game. But 
Jerry Jones is talking a lot in the news right now about Zeke looking good, but his practices or his practice today uh, or Monday, sorry, didn't look great. Um, I believe it was either limited or did not practice. I can't remember off the top of my head, but just um, again, another person to monitor, especially if you're a contender looking for a running back there. And this one is a bit of a, a bit of a weird one, Rich. Jahan Dotson, a guy that um, you were extremely high on and I was higher than consensus, but I'm not going to step in and say I was high uh, when you were basically over the moon with him. But he was uh, declared out again in week nine. But this week um, he has put on his Instagram um, a story where... It's got. It's very vague, as a lot of players tend to make them, um, but it means that he could be back if you read between the uh, between the lines. There, it's just something to maybe give you a bit of hope, especially if you're a Jahan Dotson fan like both of us here. Aaron Jones um, nearly had a season-ending injury, and by the looks of it, it was a, a big scare during the Packers game. But he's probably back this week. Uh, looks like he's dodged that. Elijah Mitchell, obviously with the 49ers, it's back to practice. He's got 21 days to be activated, so that's um, over the next three weeks. But we've seen CMC, Christian McCaffrey, move um, there through trade. So, Rich, I, I don't know what you're doing with Elijah Mitchell now. I've put him on here because I wanted to speak to you about him. What are you, what are you doing with Elijah Mitchell? It feels like there's nothing you can really do with him. Yeah, I, I, I think it's that, isn't it? There's literally nothing you can do. You just gotta hold and see see what happens. And you know, he's got no value. You can't sell him. Um, he's he's basically just a good handcuff at this at this stage. So, talking about coming back to um, practice and sticking with the 49ers, you've got Debo Samuel um, is practicing early in this week. So, um, expect him to play. Um, in week 10 then let's end the significant news on a bit of good news again so um, Odell Beckham Jr who tore his ACL um, in the Super Bowl is being sniffed at by a lot of teams there's a lot of teams looking at signing him so um, just something to watch out for there because a lot of teams such as the Cowboys have been linked to Odell so maybe he's going to impact some fancy teams. Um, so maybe your wide receiver twos or threes on your rosters. And then Rich, the bye weeks this week, we've got Cincinnati Bengals, the Ravens, who we've already spoken about, the New England Patriots and the New York Jets. Um, Rich, what are you going to do this week with our game? I will... Um... <sighs> I, I might put Justin Fields on the second screen. I don't know. I don't know. I normally <laughs> normally do Jets big screen and then red zone on the small screen. But yeah, maybe maybe I'll. Uh, Justin I don't know Fields what... gets the promotion. Yeah, I've I've not looked at the fixtures yet. If there's a really tasty game at the six o'clock, I'll put that on the second screen. But if not, maybe I'll, maybe I'll just watch some more Justin Fields because um, yeah, I'm excited. So, Rich, let's move over to the Dynasty stock market now. Who have you got as your risers this week based on um, this week's performance and what they've done so far this season? So, I think this might be three weeks in a row that this guy's been a Dynasty riser, but the rise has been serious. Um, and that's Kenneth Walker. So, my question for you, Liam, Kenneth Walker, is he now your... Dynasty RB1. No, but I don't know who that Dynasty running back one is right <laughs> now. <laughs> it's such a mess, and I don't want any part of trying to rank um, the Dynasty running back one. I've got a bunch of guys that I'd like in that spot, but I just can't seem to pick one over the other right now. Um, but no, I don't. And I seem to remember you asking this question with Travis Etienne last week. Yeah, so, I mean, I've basically got a tier of six guys and they're all pretty much the same value. So that's Jonathan Taylor, Kenneth Walker, Saquon Barkley, Brees Hall, Travis Etienne and Christian McCaffrey. Um, I could easily make an argument for any one of those six to be my running back one. I could easily make an argument for any one of those six to be my running back six. Um, 
but I think that Kenneth Walker is absolutely in that conversation and I wouldn't be shocked. We, you know, we're going to see his the ADP at DLF starts to trickle out in the next week or so. I wouldn't be shocked if Kenneth Walker was that RB1. I just don't want to pick the RB1 right now because <laughs> it's just a huge mess. Um, Rich, who else have you got as your riser for this week? Again, a guy who's been here a couple of times, but it's Geno Smith. Um, look, he, he's, he's just doing it week after week after week. We talked a couple of weeks ago and said, we're leaning towards him having a job next year. Therefore, his, his value's going up. Look, I'm now a believer of, I'm a Gino believer. I think he's definitely going to have a starting job in Seattle next year. I think that it's a great spot for him. They've got two first rounders that they can start to build around. You know, they've got the cornerstones. They've got those two tackles they drafted this year. They've got two great receivers. They've got the running back that we've just discussed. I think this offense is, is just going to continue to produce. So he's he's a top 15 quarterback for me. I would, I can't believe I'm saying this. I would rather have Geno Smith in Dynasty over Matt Stafford, over Aaron Rodgers, over Russell Wilson. And yeah, yeah I, incredible. I genuinely can't believe that I was I'm saying that, but yeah, I, I really think that the way he's producing, and I think that that's going to continue moving forward. I see no reason why he shouldn't be ranked there, quite frankly. So Rich, they the Seahawks currently have the eleventh pick in projected um draft order as of this second so as of after this week so what you do you see a quarterback being there at 11 because i know that there's about three i think there's four or five isn't there this class that potentially could be first round quarterbacks do you think yeah i mean the, the, there there will be a quarterback there i don't think that they're i don't think that they're now in the quarterback market i think that if they were to go and spend their first round pick or both their first round picks moving up to get someone, I think that would be a really silly move because I think that you've basically got a guy that look, Gino Smith, no one wants to admit it. Gino Smith is playing like a top five quarterback in the NFL this year. He has been fantastic. You look whether it's EPA per play, whether it's, you know, whatever stat you want to look at completion percentage over expected big time throw rate, whatever. He is absolutely producing. I think I would be gobsmacked if the Seahawks let him walk out the door and drafted a, another guy or traded for another guy or signed another guy. I think that they will. They've got these extra picks. I think they're going to build around Geno Smith. They'll probably, I imagine they tag him. They might sign him to like a two, three-year contract, but I imagine they tag him and sort of say, prove it again, Geno. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the way he's producing for fantasy this year and that stability of knowing that he's going to be starting quarterback this year and next, I think he's got to be a top 15 quarterback. And as I said, above all of those other guys I mentioned. So Rich, at the moment in the draft order above the Seahawks at 11, you've got the Texans at one and the Panthers at two. And we're both, I'm assuming we're both expecting both to take a quarterback there. Yeah, um, and then you've got the Raiders, who I'm not expecting to take one, although they could. They will take um, one because they're going to trade Derek Carr. Okay. <laughs> I mean that we've spoken about the contract in the off season. It's it's available um, as an option. And you've got the Steelers, who I'm assuming won't take one. The Lions, who could at five. Yeah. Um, but then they don't trade that, for one. If they don't trade for one, indeed. But after that there's not a team that probably would take one. You've got the Jaguars, the Eagles, who got the pick from the Saints. Um, the Packers are eight that I don't believe will take one with the way that that cap is structured, especially with Rogers. Um, the Bears, again, we've just spoken about Justin Fields, Cardinals, Murray, um, and then the Seahawks at 11. So unless teams trade up above Seattle, I can see three, team, uh, three teams taking a quarterback, maybe four. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that there's many quarterbacks going in this draft. I think. I think in the, in the top ten. Should I? Say? I think that the talent will be there. I think Stroud and Young are going to be probably the one and one two. And two I, I think. I think Will Levis or 
I can never, because I, I don't watch college, I can never get the names other than reading them. Oh, yeah. So I think that Will Levis will, somebody's going to fall in love with him. I think he's got, I'm early in my evaluation process, but I think that he's got the raw tools that some GM somewhere is going to go, this guy's got everything. He's Josh Allen 2.0 and, and he's going to, you know, be a superstar. So I think that those three are probably, you could almost pencil them in as locks for the top five. And there's enough guys, whether it's someone like Anthony Richardson, whether it's Hendon Hooker, something like that. I think there's enough guys floating around that there's going to be four or five guys that sneak up into that first round. And, you know, we all, every year we sort of, okay, I say every year, but this year we were talking about three or four and only one went. But most years we talk about, oh, there'll only be two or three and then end up four or five going. So, yeah, I, I, we've kind of gone off on a bit of a tangent here, but I don't think that the Seahawks are going to commit to a quarterback that's not named Geno Smith next year. So, Rich, let's get back on track. Um, who have you got as your fallers based on the past week's performance? Yeah, so it kind of ties in quite nicely to to me saying these three guys, I'd have Geno Smith over all of them, and, and that's Matt Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, and Russell Wilson. I think that, look, We've we've talked plenty of times about Russell Wilson. I think he's been really unimpressive. I think his value is only going one way. Um, Yes, I think he's going to be in Denver for the next couple of years. But do do, you know? Do I want a guy that is is probably not going to produce as a top twelve level over the next two three years? Probably not. Um, Matthew Stafford. I talked earlier about his arm. The fact that Sean McVay is going to retire. The fact that that Ram situation could completely blow up. And I think that Matt Stafford's not going to be one of these quarterbacks that's going to play until he's 38, 39, 40. I think, you know, the, the, the end is coming sooner than we think with, um, with Matthew Stafford. And then I I hate admit it because I was the biggest Aaron Rodgers believer in the off season. And uh, you were, but, but the, the, the situation's not good. You know, the Packers haven't really got any cap space. They haven't really got any ability to bring anybody in. I think the only potential that Aaron Rodgers is going to recoup some dynasty value is if he gets traded. And the more I think about it, the more I look at it, the more I watch the Packers. I think that that's a genuine, realistic situation. And I think that you know, the Packers, do they just trade him, get a couple of first rounders and say, right, the the rebuild starts around Jordan Love? I'm going to go with no. No, I, I understand where you're coming from, but have you seen his dead cap over the next few years? Yeah, but, it's a, it, but that dead cap is, is going to be there whether you're... You know, whether you trade him, whether you release him or what, I think we're not going to release Aaron Rodgers. I think no, that, if he uh, if he retires, then you've you've got no choice, have you? The, you know, I think yeah, there's I, uh, there's like a, a roster bonus, the 30 million roster bonus or whatever it is, that that obviously won't get accelerated. But you know, if he were to be traded, there is a, a realistic situation where you can get some draft capital back, you can get some cap relief. And you can start to rebuild this properly. You've got a year more of Jordan Love on the rookie contract, maybe two. Um, One year and the fifth year option, if we do. Yeah, like at some point you've got to you've got to believe it, and you've you've kind of got to say, okay, let's move on. So if if you his dead cap at the end of the season is going to be ninety eight million, but you would save sixty six million if you traded him, so he'd have a thirty one million dollar cap hit next year but i re- yeah. i honestly think you could get something serious for him he's got a very tradable contract he's got a base salary of 1 million next year so someone can trade for him we don't save 60 million i don't know how you got to that point you save 66 million if you trade him as a pre june 1st next year oh yeah yeah, yeah. i see what because you've got the prorated bonus that would pull forward onto the cap. Is that right? Yeah. Does anyway, <laughs> I, I still I still don't think it's going to happen. I just don't. 
it, I, I, it, look, I'm talking hypotheticals. I, you know me, I like to throw out these scenarios you and talk do. it through. It's, it's why I'm talking about Derek Carr getting traded. It's why I'm talking about Sean McVay retiring. I just think that as dynasty players, we need to have these scenarios in our head and that I think there is a greater than 20% chance that Aaron Rodgers is playing next year, but not on the Packers. Yeah, I but do think he is still a dynasty full possibility. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely a dynasty faller right now. Rich, who else have you got so we can get off the Aaron Rodgers talk and stop making me sad? <laughs> the next, the next guy is DeAndre Swift. Um, look, love the talent, love the player. He's incredible when he's on the field, but sadly, he's just not on the field. And I think that people are starting to wake up to this. I think that you know we talked about him being dynasty RB two, RB three in the off season. You know, I listed my six guys that I've got as potential RB1, and he was the first, you know, the next guy on the list. I don't think he's in that top tier. I think his value has dropped, and I think that there's probably a swift believer in every league, and that if you can get that peak value for him, then then maybe go and do it, because I am really concerned that whilst he's an incredible talent, whilst he is, you know, the dynasty RB1 in terms of talent and ability to, to produce if he was given a full fill of health for the next three years, I just don't know if you're ever going to be able to bank on him being a, I was going to say 16 game starter, but 17 game starter every, every year. So I think for me, his, his value is starting to decline. And I think as more people start to realize yet again, he's on the injury list yet again, he's not getting a full workload. His value is probably going to keep dropping. Yeah. I am unfortunately with you. Um, I was on this a little bit before the bye week when he started to pick up a bunch of injuries and there's a lot of question marks at the start of the season and then carrying forward. Um, but I kind of held out hope that after the bye, he'd clear everything up because um, they shut him down just before the bye. They'd clear everything up, they were being extra cautious and then he'd come back and be full speed, full health. And that's obviously not the case. So um, I was kind of prepared for this to be the case. But yeah, I, I'm unfortunately with you because I, I really like the talent here um rich this isn't talking about career arcs or anything but or uh, production but do you think that his career could take a similar aspect to say joe mixon who is injured a lot loads of talent and then broke out the end of his or let's say at the end towards recent memory and i know that a lot of people now have kind of pushed away all those injury concerns because he's had two good years of healthiness and and production. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if if he can get fully healthy, then absolutely you're gonna you're gonna get him at a great value, I think. But it's you know, fool me once, shame on you. What is it? Fool me twice, shame on me or whatever. I just feel we're in that territory now with uh DeAndre Swift where it's just time and time again and it's same injuries cropping up again and again and again. So Rich, moving on to the player of the week. So this is where myself and Rich just decided to talk about a player we really wanted to talk about. Um, so this week, Rich, I've decided to put on the list of Cordero Patterson, a guy that you were very high on in the offseason compared to ADP, um, saying that he should be on contending rosters um, and that you'd still pay... I think he was second, the exact price, but he was still pretty high on him. And a lot of people were writing him off saying he was a one-year wonder, um, which was understandable considering his type of career path. But he, this week, came back from injuries, just come back off IR, and he had a low yards per carry. I know you love saying that it's an um, an offensive line, um, an offensive line stat. But then when you combine that with Tyler Algier having uh, a great breakout or break-off run, do we need to be concerned about Cordero Patterson? He did score two touchdowns, so people that are just looking at his fancy points won't really see the, the background information like this. But my question around him to you is, is he a future asset or is this year the end? Because I know that last year, as I said, you were very high on him going into this year. So do you think that that's the same going into next year? Or with Tyler Algier um, showing up, the I think he was fourth round, fifth round rookie um, for this year. He had 
Cordaro uh, Patterson had 14 touches, um, which was 13 carries and one reception to um, Algiers 11, which was 10 and one. Um, and then Huntley 7. Do we think that this is going to become a messy backfield now? Or um, do you think that with the way that the Falcons are currently situated, they're going to be moving on from Patterson and just taking Algier and Huntley and trying to proceed with those two going into next year? I think that you need to view him as a one-year asset. I think that if you're expecting any return next year, you're likely to get hurt. I think that if you can treat him as a one-year asset and then anything next year is a bonus, I think that's the way to go. But looking at his contract, so he's got a 3.75 mil dead cap next year and his cap hit is 5.5 million. So they save 1.75 million by releasing him. That's not a massive number, which makes me think he's probably going to be on the roster next year. Um, it was interesting you saying about those stats, and I've seen some numbers about how Algier outproduced Patterson last week and things like that. And I think that, yes, that, that is something to consider, but I think that this is the first week back from injury. Like, let, let's give him a little bit of chance to get up to full speed. You know, if you look at pure snap counts, uh, Patterson was playing between 50 and 40 snaps week one to three on Sunday, he played 24 snaps. I think that there is definitely an opportunity for him to see more work. You know, he only, he only lined up as a wide receiver five times on Sunday. He saw one target. Those are the numbers that I think are going to increase. I think he's probably going to end up splitting backfield carries with Algier, but let's be honest. Cordero Pratson is a freak in terms of his athletic talent. The Falcons have finally utilised that. I don't think whatever Algier brings in terms of his versatility and his ability to line up all over the field is ever going to live up to what Cordero Patterson is. And I think that he is just such a offensive weapon that he's always going to have the ability to get on the field and, and carve out a role, quite frankly. I think that, yeah, if you're sitting here saying that Cordero Patterson's going to be a, you know, 80, 90% opportunity guy, he's, he's never going to be that again. But he was never that anyway. I think he's always going to be a, you know, a complimentary piece in an offense. He's going to, you know, he doesn't need 15, 20 touches to, to produce huge fancy numbers. If he's getting, you know, 10 rush attempts and five targets in a game, he can still be a really solid RB2. And at the prices you're having to pay, what are you paying, mid to late second? I think that's a, a really good um, contending buy still. So, Rich, who do you have as your player for this week? So, my guy's Garrett Wilson. Um, I was so impressed with him on Sunday. I think it, I came... Honestly, I, I've, I've been really high on him in the preseason. I... I tried not to get overhyped when he landed on the Jets. It's, you know, it was difficult. Two of my pre, pre-draft crushes, crushes in Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall both landed on the Jets. So I didn't want to just look like a homer and hype him up. But he was so impressive on Sunday. And I think that he's basically taken this, this offense and it's now going to run through him. And I think that, you know, you saw it was 37.5% target share, 35% targets per route run, which is a really impressive number. I think that... On Sunday, the Jets basically said, Zach Wilson, through you know the past 17 games of your career, you have been someone that's tried to extend plays. You've had one of the highest times to throw across the NFL. You've been someone that has basically gets the ball, gets scared, runs to the sideline, then tries to throw the ball. And they basically said to him, right, you're going to sit, you're going to operate from the pocket, and you are going to get the ball out lightning quick. And that only works if you've got receivers that can get open quick. And that's exactly what Garrett Wilson was doing on Sunday. He won early in the route, time and time and time again. That's going to continue. That's going to help Zach Wilson. You talk, People have talked to this since Sunday about how the Zach Wilson didn't lose the Jets the game. Well, that was because Garrett Wilson was so open so early that he was able to get the ball out before any sort of pass rush was getting on him. And I just think that 
if he's going to continue doing that, he's going to continue getting pebble targets. He's running now as, you know, almost 100% of routes. He is an every down player. And I think that he is, you know, to me, easily a top 12 dynasty wide receiver. And I think that, sadly, if you've, pro- you've probably missed the boat if you've not got him because I think his price is only going to increase over the next few weeks. Yeah, I'm with you. He was my wide receiver one in this class. Just my concern is Zach Wilson. Um, I don't know how you feel about this, Rich, but is he the guy? Um, I think that's still to be confirmed, and that's what worries me the most. Um, Probably not, but I'll be honest with you, Liam. I've kind of resigned myself to the fact that Jets are trading for a quarterback in the offseason. You know, I, th- I, I think that Zach Wilson is not going to be the guy, but I think that the Jets have realised that the rest of this roster is a serious playoff contender. I think that the defence is legit. I think that the secondary is incredible. And I think that once the offensive line gets healthy, um, the offence is is basically there ready to go. So if you can just drop in a competent quarterback, this offence could blow up. So yeah, I've I've been I've been running through trades, whether we go and send, you know, a first round pick for Derek Carr, whether we send maybe two first for Aaron Rodgers. Um yeah, I th- I think that the Jets will possibly be in the trade market for quarterback. Come that'd be March. awful for me as a Packers fan if the Rogers went to the Jets because one you would gloat for all eternity, and two it'd be basically the same as Brett Favre all over again. Um, yeah, except I Brett wasn't Favre's, old enough. But still. Brett Favre was only good for. Well, that makes me feel really old that you've just said you weren't old enough for Brett Favre on the Jets because it wasn't that long ago. Brett Favre was good for about eight games and then was horrific. So let's hope Rogers I mean, would be better than that. Jets. I. I was in primary school when um, Brett Favre was on the Jets. Just okay. going to throw that out there just to make you feel a bit more old. I um, think I was only in secondary school, so that doesn't make me feel that old. <laughs> um, so, Rich, let's move over to our friendly competition, the Flex-Off. So for uh, new listeners, this is where myself and Rich go head-to-head every week and we'll pick a player in flex consideration and the way that we define that is we look at the fancy pros ecr so that's in the expert consensus rankings um uh, for each week and we look at the top 36 wide receivers the top 24 running backs and the top 12 tight ends and we can't pick any of them we just moon over them so we have to pick outside of those um and then it's just whoever score whoever's pick scores um more points so the standings on the week after um last week's performance is rich is on four and i'm also on four rich did pull it back and um level out yet again so rich won with kenyon uh kenyon drake sorry with nearly 25 points um i went with antonio gibson and he scored like six or seven points um so yeah, Rich, um, back to four, uh, back to evens on four each. So I'll start with my player um, because you haven't got yours in the show sheet. I'm just going <laughs> to throw it out there. And I don't know whether you've got one, so I'll give you a bit of time if you don't. Um, I'm going to go with Khalil Herbert. Now, he didn't do very well this week, uh, this past week, but he has been absolutely incredible all the way through the season so far. Um, I think that even with... David Montgomery in front of him. He can still perform when he gets the carries um, and the opportunity. And he's going against the Detroit Lions defense, who apart from this week against the Packers with the inept offense the Packers seem to have at the moment, um, have been laying up one of the most, if not the most points um, in terms of uh, actual in-game NFL points, uh, being given up the most there. So I think that Detroit, uh, um, I think that the Chicago Bears are just going to run the ball a lot um, against this weaker run defense, and it would just give Khalil Herbert extra opportunity to run wild and break one off for a touchdown, which in flex consideration, that's all you'll need. Um, you don't tend to get a Kenyon Drake every week or a Donta Foreman from a few weeks ago uh, that absolutely rips one off for uh 20 to 30 points so rich who have you got in flex consideration for this competition going into so i'm going 10? with with my boy jeff wilson 
Um, I think that he showed on Sunday that he's he's better and more explosive than Raheem Mostert. The they're playing Cleveland, who have got just horrific internal run defense, and I think that. Miami are, are going to score plenty of points. And I think that Jeff Wilson's got the opportunity to score a couple of touchdowns. Um, so, yeah. So, for me, Jeff Wilson, he's running about 30 on the week. I think that that's a, a nice little sle- sneaky um, flex play for me. Yeah, I like Jeff Wilson. I think he, I think it's going to be a, a tough game. I think yours is, uh, your pick as Jeff Wilson is going to be the, the lower floor or the other higher floor play, so the safer pick. But um, I think both have the the high or the an equal ceiling, shall we say, um, in their in their roles. So, Rich, let's move over to the mailbag, our last segment of the week. Um, we've got a question from at Sim Shimshom eighty nine. I don't really. I'm awful with names, so let's not go there. Um, he's been offered two twi- uh, two trades, so. We'll start with um, it, a late 24 first and a late third. So I'm assuming that, oh, that's 24 as well. So two late picks in the 24 draft, first and a third for Devonta Smith. Um, so Rich will start there. I'm picking Devonta Smith here. To be honest, unless someone has an absolutely stacked team, I don't ever look at 24 beyond picks as um, early, late, or mid, they're always random until um, that season. Because as we saw this year, anything can happen. Um, I mean, I had two rosters that won leagues last year that are currently with like one or two wins this year. So anything can happen in any season. So I consider that as a, a random first and a random third next year for Devonta Smith and I take Smith every time. Yeah, give me Smith here as well. Um, I concur everything you said. I think if you start projecting more than a year ahead where picks are going to fall, I think you get yourself into all sorts of bother. I think you can end up trading, you know, a late 24 first is two or three injuries away from being an early 23 first, you know. Somebody that had Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins and Jamal Chase, Keenan Allen... Uh, I'm trying to think of other good players that have, have been injured so far this year. Javante Williams, uh, Brees Hall, like that team could have looked like absolute, you know, a dominant team on paper three months ago. And it's probably, you know, scratching around, probably going to get an early pick this year. So, yeah, I never project anything beyond uh, earlier than probably week four or five of the season that's when I start to say right okay it's an early first or it's a mid first or it's a late first I certainly am not sitting here saying 2024 picks are early mid or late so Rich his second trade was um, he'd been offered a late 23 third for and um, Joshua Palmer for Kareem Hunt Um, personally I'm taking the, the Palmer side I think that he's got He's got a good upside, and I'm worried about Hunt in the future. I don't know whether he actually gets a starting job. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a bit of a nothing trace. Not wanting to cast as versions, but it's it's, look, it's. I think the value's about there. I think that Cream Hunt is a decent flex play on a week to week basis this year. We've talked about next year he's a free agent. I don't think he's going to land a starting job anywhere. Um, Next year's free agency class at running back is loaded. We've got four or five really good running backs coming in next year. I don't expect Kareem Hunt to be able to carve out anything more than a similar level role to what he's got now. So, yeah, I think, yeah, why not go and go and sell it? It, it does feel a little bit like moving deck chairs on the Titanic. Um, but, yeah, go and, go and make the move. I've never heard that saying before, but I, use that. Um, I can't believe I've never used that on the pod. I use that all the time. That's like my go-to whenever anything's pointless. It's moving deck chairs and Titanic. I've never heard that saying before, but um, Rich, he did ask, do you think that um, Hunt's value can rise next season if he signs with a new team? So we've spoken about whether he signs and becomes a starter, but if he becomes basically what his role is now, do you think that there is any team out there that actually makes his value increase as the number two? Or do you think that this is going to be his peak value unless he gets a starting role elsewhere? 
I think the only way his value increases is if he signs somewhere in March before the draft and everybody gets hyped that he's going to be the guy and then the team go and draft someone. Um, I'm trying to think of landing spots off the top of my head and I can't think of any, but yeah, say he goes and signs, I don't know, say the Giants decide not to keep Saquon around. He goes and signs with the Giants, like a five million a year contract. Everybody gets really excited, like he's going to be the lead back in New York. And then they go and spend a second or third round pick on Sean Tucker or something like that. And Cream Hunt basically becomes the 1B yet again. Um, so, yeah, maybe his value might increase in January once he signs somewhere, but I don't see it increasing massively. So, Rich, that's all we have on the show sheet. So that's all we have for the listeners. Do you have anything before we sign off? No, let's let's enjoy bye week and uh, remember that the Jets are going to the Super Bowl. Enjoy the bye week and Rich is getting hyped now that the Jets are overachieving. Um, but for those of you going over to Munich to watch the Seattle Seahawks and the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, have a great time. Or if you're already in Germany and you're not heading over there because you're there, have a great time. But until next week, guys, stay safe and have a great week. See you later. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.